0: Blob Talk Radio I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind I'm locked, I'm locked up done. in memories They all intertwine
1: The memories is In my mind I know tomorrow
0: Cause that dawn will come Never know what done. Good evening, welcome and welcome to Stop Child Abuse Now Scan Radio number 3167 Stop Child Abuse Now is by NASCA, the Association of Survivors of Child Abuse. I'm going to read the statement of NASCA. We have a single purpose at NACA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, Educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo discussing child sexual abuse (CSA), presenting facts, helping child abuse be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. Two, numerous staffs providing many services. That's information for any in Thursday, we have a call in discussion on this radio show with a survivor prep professional. He is being an open professional co feel And that you is with your questions. And Annie,
1: you are breaking up. Breaking I'm up. I'm
0: sorry. Will you get the. You're
1: breaking answer? I think you're okay.
0: Hello? Am I okay? Now you're okay. Thanks. Go ahead. I'm
1: sorry. The number you're no? calling is 646
0: mm-hmm. 218
1: Is that okay, Victoria? No, you're still breaking up. Um wow I can I can finish. Um Okay. Okay. So uh tonight the special host is Pastor Deborah Sawyer. who grew up all over the world in a military family where her mother had mental illness and is now a survivor professional living in Pensacola, Florida. She's trained in ministry, mental health, working with substance abuse and is a trauma informed social worker, all in one. She volunteers with many community organizations. Pastor Debbie says she can minister by text, phone, Skype, in person, and however the Lord directs her, 24-7. She teaches that humans have three parts, being of spirit, soul, and physical body, and believes that all three are important, and that each area needs care. We look forward to Pastor Deborah being an active member of the NASCA family for a long time. On these episodes, we welcome various co-hosts, survivor professionals, who well as fielding questions in these episodes, I'm sorry, and lead a variety of topics suggested by our call and participants. Their trauma-informed perspectives as survivor professionals will help them guide discussions on the issues of childhood abuse, trauma, and healthy human sexuality. That springs forth from questions and topics brought to you by our listeners. Everyone's invited to... Engage on tonight's show. Please visit the naasca. dot org website. And again, we're on scan number uh, three thousand one hundred sixty seven. That means that's how many episodes we have archived after tonight. So, welcome, Pastor Deborah. You've been with us many times, so we'll turn the show over to you. Thank you.
2: Hello, Annie and Victoria, and anybody else that might be on the line or listening. Uh, I hope everybody's doing good and um, got through another month of course I come on once a month and um, I'm open to any topics that anybody has or any questions about mental health or a uh, spiritual healing or healing in general I like to always pick that topic because the abuse has already happened unless uh, some people are still in sort of domestic violence or adult abuse but Healing is a topic that uh, is real important, so I'll just leave it that. I'm glad to be here and turn it back over to you, Miss Victoria. Andy's voice was cracking up. I couldn't hear it much at all. And um, so if you want to go ahead and see if there's anybody else on the line or if you have a question. Yeah, right now, right now it's the three of us.
1: So, okay. Um um okay let's see i don't know if
2: you have anything or that you've talked with well, Annie uh, about or? I'm, I'm
1: interested in you said that you work with people with substance abuse and um i'm in recovery
0: okay
1: um, okay i have uh, 36 years sober and i just i went into aa and got sober i didn't end up going through any kind of treatment or anything per se but um mm-hmm. it was really hard for me because um quit it I just got a new copy and she tried to jump on my head
0: <laughs>
1: and she's five months old. But anyway, um, um, I've noticed there's a lot of people in um, AA and other places that, that are survivors of abuse. And a lot of them, when I speak, you know, they say, well, I couldn't get sober because nobody's talking about this abuse. And, uh, and it's, it's hard for them to heal because, It just seems to be focused on the one thing. And uh, I like where you say, um, you know, that it's mind, body, and soul, because I think some people get it in their head and they don't really feel things in their heart or their soul. And Could you comment on any of that as far as uh, um, with the substance abuse if if you work with people that that, um, come to you that are just kind of working on one issue and not... Incorporating everything together, like mind, body, and soul, like you spoke of.
2: Okay. In the mental health world, a lot of it's called dual diagnosis. You have a substance abuse problem and a mental health disease or illness, as I like to call it. Typically, what happens is um, when we're young children, we have a biological body that's based on nerves and pleasure and pain and chemicals and... um, uh, that kind of thing. And we have a soul, that's what you would call it, your mind. And it has thoughts and feelings. And as uh, any animal, okay, even an animal, nobody likes pain or fear. And we all have chemical, electrical responses and thoughts. And what happens when you get a, a child who is sort of, uh, you know, has a child sexual abuse or trauma? There's a pain in the, the
1: now we lost you too. Uh, That's for Deborah. I can't hear ya Are you on mute, Annie? are you still there?
0: I am. Can you hear me?
1: Yeah, I can hear you, but now I can't hear Pastor Deborah. What's
0: going on? I don't know.
1: Gremlins don't know what...
0: and the wires. I don't think they're even
3: half yeah, wires exactly. anymore, do
1: they? <laughs> <laughs> I really don't even know what they have.
3: Oh, it says
2: her phone dropped, so
1: Oh yeah, call. she might call us she'll probably call us back,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah she probably just lost service or something yeah. mm-hmm. there she is okay. okay I think what I think what you you are, <laughs> I think somebody mutes me because I can hear both of you and then I just hang up and call back and then so can you hear me now
1: yeah now we can hear you but yes? uh, you weren't on mute. I was looking at the uh, studio and i didn't see okay. you on mute I don't okay. know something happened at the mic okay
2: Okay, so what happens is substance abuse is a way of us personally trying to find peace from some hurts, wounds, fear, rejection, and our physical body is made up of chemicals. So when you put drugs, alcohol, food into it, it changes the body's chemical balance uh, and you know alcohol is made up of sugar and it's also got the alcohol content so it actually kills and deadens uh, brain cells and nerves so it is our way we'll say a self uh, healing for uh, to try to find peace then what happens is the biological body and the brain are thoughts become addicted that we like that piece from whatever we took and um so we want to keep doing it and then what happens is we become where we have to have it in order to feel somewhat normal and that's when the you know the abuse comes in and then it also the the drugs are changing the biochemistry the nerves, that's changing the brain cells, the neurons, everything's getting changed. And uh, we, it's our way of seeking some sort of relief from our thoughts. We're not having, you know, say the physical pains, uh, we'll, say from, we'll say sexual abuse, but it's the thoughts. We want to sleep. We want to be at peace. We want to be happy. Can you guys still hear me?
0: Yeah, we can still hear
2: you. Yep. Yep. Okay. So the alcohol and the drugs or the food, they're all drugs, is a way of of having that peace. You can also be addicted to gambling, the possibility of winning and getting happy when your life is dull. So it's our way of sort
1: of... For a lot of that stuff, too, like the shopping and things.
2: Not yeah, yeah, office. yeah. It's our way of self-medication, trying to care for ourselves. Uh, sometimes, like uh, you may have had a parent who was an alcoholic, okay, and you didn't, be- and you saw that, or a cigarette smoker, and you go, "I'm not ever going to do that," so you don't. But you become addicted to something else. And some in spiritual work, there's a family we'll say curse going on. Things are passed down through the families, genetics. It's just that you made a conscious thought maybe not to do drugs. This one lady I knew, her father was an alcoholic, and so she made a conscious effort not to do alcohol. But she became a shopping addict. And because the shopping with the credit cards made her happy, made her feel peaceful, and made her feel in control. And uh, so she just took it in a different direction. And so it's so in mental health work, they they'll put you in rehab, and they can detox you and get all the stuff out, but then your whole body has changed, and your nerves, you know, they're like waking up again and trying to become normal when they've been so deadened, and now you're having all these thoughts. That you didn't want to have in these memories and feelings And you really don't want to live in that So you go through that process And it's very painful And uh, you know Facing the agony of what happened And not only that Now you have physical issues Because of the drugs and alcohol Or the food or whatever Or the shopping or gambling You know sex is also an addiction And everything so it is a deep issue when somebody's had sexual abuse not only has those that to deal with but then goes off into uh, addictions of just about anything. Does that yeah. help you visualize? I mean, well, yeah, and I
1: know on all those uh addictions, uh, talk dark people and you know, after do the addiction, you know, shopping gambling whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. There's that feeling
1: of remorse. That feeling of remorse, you know. And well, I, I know a lot of yeah. With the well
2: and
1: I you know, I will say, you know, we did um when people never grasp, i say, you know, we made the decisions with the tools we had at the time, you know, the information I said and I was given really bad information and outright like do. And that's what I made the decisions on. You know, and and I just try to tell people we're learning new ways to play. And like you said, that, that well that does change the chemistry of your brain, right?
0: I yes.
2: it. Yes, and what happens is you know when we're children as you know we're small little creatures sort of and our brain is small but it's growing and it um it's developing and getting larger and it's developing neurons and everything that's supposed to be working and you know you're having auditory and visual coming in and your all your whole body and your hands everything your ears, everything, your five senses. So if through child abuse that gets uh, disturbed, the normal growth, okay, and things get thrown off the way they're supposed to, and they get overwhelmed, typically what happens, fear has cortisol and hormones and and sexual abuse and uh, other kinds of things that happen. So, uh. What happens is we know the physical body will heal. It's the mental part, which in our society, they don't want to call you with a mental illness. And you can hear it now on television, somebody who's a school shooter, he doesn't have a mental illness. He just has some mental issues or mental confusion because there's such a stigma still with mental illness and everybody doesn't want to think that they're crazy and that their child that they have brought up has mental problems, that they would do a mass shooting, so they even the terminology they're using same way with in the uh, different communities, LGBT, you know, they look at how you define a mental illness. And I learned years ago how it's defined is you have to have a disturbance in your schooling, work, family, that you cannot, you know, go to school like everybody else and make grades. You can't work. And uh the homosexuals, back in maybe the 70s or 80s went into court and they challenged the psychiatrist and said according to your definitions of what somebody's what you're looking for when you're diagnosing them and asking them questions they have to meet certain criteria and we don't meet your criteria we're we're in a uh, in the same sex relationship been there 20 30 years uh, we're raising children We are working We are good citizens We don't do you know, drugs and alcohol uh, We're holding down a job We vote We haven't been to jail Therefore, according to your criteria We're not mentally ill So you need to take it out of the DSM And they did So they declassified hom- uh, homosexuality As a, uh, no longer a mental disease And uh, so there's a lot of terminology that goes on. So the person who's been sexually abused as a child is dealing with a lot of pain and things that they don't understand and fear. And so they seek um, anything, okay, that will make them feel comforted. Uh, They'll seek teddy bears. They'll suck their thumbs. They'll get off into food because, you know, it changes. It's a drug. And then when they get introduced maybe to alcohol or marijuana, smoking nowadays and stuff like that or uh, other things, or maybe they just want to play and stay and be a child and not be responsible, uh, it's sort of a way of self-medication. They're trying to fix a problem that they don't know what to do with, they're trying to find peace, and they're trying to find some kind of calmness to their thoughts, and alcohol and drugs works for a little bit of time. Right, then you have and then to, when it, okay. well, it doesn't, <laughs> yeah. Well, it does for yeah. the moment, you know, it's, what I tell um, heroin addicts, uh-huh. and even, okay, is their first shot of heroin up their arm is powerful. And they are seeking that every single time, but they can't Mm -hmm. reproduce it. And it's the same way with the sexual orgasm. It Uh is so peaceful, okay? And you just go into the most peaceful biological, okay, and mental rest and uh, state. Then after a little while, that wears off and all the nerves are you know screaming and your thoughts are screaming so you go after that again and you're seeking the peace that your body your nerves are looking for and your your whole chemical electrical system is seeking and you're looking for a peaceful restful place for your thoughts and your, uh you know, fear and stuff. So everybody chooses different things to get that. And so in the mental health world, we didn't study a lot about substance abuse at first. That was always off over in another category. Uh It really wasn't a mental illness. It right. wasn't like depression or anxiety yeah. or... It, it was off over there. You didn't even need to have a master's-level counselor dealing with it, okay? Because, you know, the um, AA had gotten started. Great movie. There's a lot of good movies out there about AA, how it got started with alcohol. But it didn't really catch on with the drugs. And then slowly, what happened was people f- from non-Christian, because AA was Christian in its beginnings, uh, just wanted uh, a higher power, and uh, which could have meant right. anything.
0: But right,
1: because began... Session, a lot of people turning get sober, being just Christian.
2: Okay, so I mean that's how it got started. Okay, but then what happened yep. was I used to volunteer back in, I don't know, high school or college, and the drug rehab programs were run by ex-drug addicts. There wasn't a licensed counselor or social worker or nobody. It was all run by drug addicts who had right. been reformed through AA. And it was yeah. a live-in program, and you had group support, and basically you had AA people in there. <coughs> and it worked and people got recovered and then you had um what got going uh, was the young men's christian association the the y, the y the YMCA and the women's and that would take in drug addicts and they would stay there and get christian work <clears throat> and it worked and so you didn't really have the mental health field wasn't really into rehab tech uh treatment centers they didn't really have social workers. <clears throat> they hired ex-druggies. They didn't even need to have a, a degree because they'd mm-hmm. been through AA for twenty years. Yeah, and it was, yeah. and that's how it got started. I remember that. And so, if you had never been a drug addict, <clears throat> you didn't fit. You weren't a part of that group. And it's it's changed over the years. You now you have most excellent way, well, and there's other things. A, A, C,
1: Alcoholics Anonymous is still run by alcoholics and NA is run by uh, drug addicts. And uh, Mm -hmm. it it doesn't matter how much sobriety you have. um, I think it's six months where you can lead a group. But um, Mm -hmm. it's not run by professionals at all.
0: Um, Mm -hmm.
1: We do, um, like NASCA runs by the traditions. And we don't, um, in the A and NA, which... I, I go to you know, AA now. You come in and talk about drugs, but I also want to mention there's also Al-Anon, which is yes. for family, and friends, alcoholics, drug addicts. And mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I've volunteered with them. Yeah, I've had 40 years with them.
2: And people uh, don't okay, real people don't realize, and they don't even nowadays, that we're uh-huh. uh, an individual it's not an island they have family members children grandchildren aunts uncles and everybody is affected in the, okay and the community is affected and mm-hmm. a lot of in like i said now when i started in mental health counseling that was a different that was over in another area you didn't get much about that with your masters you got medicine psychiatry uh, diagnosing Uh, Mm -hmm. treatment. You got um, the psychiatric stuff because that's what the psychiatrist, you know, they Mm -hmm. were working in and drug uh, abuse was over there somewhere with ex-drug addicts and you went to the support groups and that was about how much you know, we just wasn't in the mental health world. Right. Then slowly right. they started bringing in the dual diagnosis and the mental health counselors had to get some training and and you mm-hmm. would do it, say, oh, not only are you ne- you got an issue with opioids or yeah. you're uh, taking sleeping pills, but you also are depressed. Yeah. So they would start yeah. doing dual diagnosing of their right. patients their clients. And then what happened is the therapist started having to get some certifications, you know, uh, more about and take some things more about substance abuse and how that intertwines with many of the psychiatric disorders. So sure. it was that was how it was years and years ago. I don't know what it is now.
1: Well, there's AA A- and there's Ellen and stuff. Now, mm-hmm. if you're an alcoholic or drug addict and you go to treatment treatment is different than AA and NE. Treatment
0: mm-hmm. is run
1: by professionals and yes. they're trained and it it uh uses a kind of a different model and they were realizing in there, just as you said, um, that 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 not only were people dealing with drugs and alcohol, but all of a sudden this emotional stuff started coming out. So then mm-hmm. that point on the other end too where they went, wait a minute, we need, you know, some uh, psychiatric help for these people as well, and I think it is really great because a lot of people went into treatment and they said, "Okay, they got me off drugs and alcohol, but I can't live, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm having so many problems, you know." And, well, and they'll say, "A living life on life's terms," and it's really hard to live on life's terms if you don't have that mental health help, you know.
2: Well, mental health was it was real interesting because the whole mental health uh, area was really the way the psychiatrist looked at. The, you know, they were medical doctors first, so they understood uh, illnesses and diseases from a medical viewpoint. And then these psychiatrists said, "Yeah, well, some of these people they got some." Uh, brain tumors. They have, there's something wrong with their thinking. They had what you'd call state mental institutions. And a lot of people got locked in up in them that um, didn't have mental health issues. And a lot of people were depressed and just fearful and stuff and mm-hmm. doing things that people didn't think were normal. Yeah. And this, and they knew something was, I did an actual wonderful article for NASCA. And it talks Mm -hmm. about the different things in history of what people looked at to try to fix somebody's brain. They used to think there was, you know, it needed the trepanning, which you cut a hole in the top and you let some bad fumes out. And then there was a time they knew it was spiritual and then they thought it was your blood and uh, that the, the electrical signals was off. So you got electric shock treatment.
0: Yeah, you know, you them. got
2: steam baths and all kinds. Because ice baths, you know. <laughs> yeah, and what happens is, it was the psychiatrists who were trying to figure out what was. Now they were looking not from thoughts, okay. They they you know they were trying to be like a a neuropsychologist that was going to work with blood vessels, but dealing with somebody's thinking their feelings okay and remember a lot of the mental health world was based on for a long time Freud who was a a Jewish man who didn't believe in Christ and he worked with some neurotic women and he basically said the women are having issues because they want to have sex with their fathers the boys want to have sex with their mothers so that's the problem and he grew up in a time when there was a lot of things, and that is where a lot of your psychiatric mental health stuff. And then, there, then throughout the years, you had like B.F. Skinner, and he believed you're nothing but an animal. And you can be trained, and you can have your thoughts and behaviors. We're going to train you with pain or pleasure. And you got Carl Skinner, I think, and Carl Rogers, and he was a talking therapist. We can talk it out. So mental health has gone through many different people and many different philosophies to what's wrong, how to fix it, and what the you know uh different uh, sources are but they basically mm-hmm. were dealing with if you did not have a brain tumor or a brain concussion, you know something medical like mm-hmm. that you're they're dealing with your conditioning for your behaviors. Mm-hmm. Uh, which comes through childhood Rewards and punishment They're coming through your uh, thoughts How you Think out of a problem And then I, You learn That a lot of people How they think About themselves, the world, the family Is based on The family's culture Childhood development I mean if you just leave a you know, a baby alone and you neglect them, the brain is going to grow, but it will, you know, there's a lot that it does not get because it's not interacting. You get some child development when you're learning to be a mental health counselor. And Mm -hmm. so what happens is after the abuse occurs, throw in addictions to anything, okay? And um. Because everything in the brain is neuroelectrical. Of course, you do have some tissue in there and it can get tangled, which we know like now with Alzheimer's, there's plaques and things aren't growing. You can get concussions and brain bleeds. So you can have some actual issues because of biological issues. But when it comes down to your feelings and your thoughts, your memories, that's a whole nother ball ballgame. And mental health, their philosophy is if we can just get you to talk about it, maybe cry, retrieve some memories, you'll feel better when you leave the office. And after you pay us $50, $60 an hour, and now you're feeling better, go home. And if you anything really bothers you, they would tell you. And you feel like you want to kill yourself, go to the hospital. Okay and they're not there with you long term and you know they're not there you can't call your therapist 24 hours a day and you know a lot of the therapists really didn't do support groups they were just an individual in an office and you know they they didn't really do much with support groups they you know that kind of thing so it's a interesting um how do i say dynamics and system mm-hmm. To help somebody who's been through childhood sexual abuse the mental health mm-hmm. system, the addictions you know they're still out there with their recovery treatment programs and um that kind of thing, and you have lots of medications now from the psychiatrist for the brain you know and stuff so it is a it's a very there just a lot of people are trying. To help, let's say a child, somebody has been abused in childhood.
0: And, yeah, my you know, grandfather
1: was in a psychiatric ward, but he was a he was a violent alcoholic, you know. Um, and, and back then they did, you know, um, separate, like you said, mental health from alcoholism and things. So um, I know there's a um, chapter in the big book that um, even um, the psychiatrist said. You know, he's not sure what AA does, but um, it seems to help people. And uh, he would recommend, you know, that people go and talk to these guys. And they were like, you know, somebody helped me. So, you know, I'm going to be there to help somebody else. And people tell me, oh, you've helped so many people. And I said, well, I'm not doing anything more than what people did for me, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, I kind of feel like uh, not that I owe people, but. I'm grateful to help people because I'm grateful that I um do have sobriety and that I do have recovery from abuse. And, you know, I have been to the mental health system. I got people that ask me, you know, even today some shock treatments, so they'll ask hey, think I should get shock because they said they'll make you know, bad memories go away. I said, So well, the problem with shock treatments is it takes memories away but it picks
0: and chooses which
1: memories it wants. So, you know I have a lot of memory loss about my kids, you know, when they were growing up, that I don't remember certain things that happened, and I still remember some of the abuse, and some of it comes back, and some of it doesn't. So it's also considered having brain damage, you know. Right. And and so yeah, so there are consequences, you know. Yeah, to,
2: in to that. in the mental in the mental health world, they are trying to say. Get rid of the memories. Okay, like shock treatment, some other stuff. What they used to do years and years ago is they do a lobotomy. Right. They'd stick something up your nose, and they'd sever mm-hmm. the frontal cortex of the brain, so you had no feelings at all. Okay, mm-hmm. you just didn't respond to anything. Because, but that was done by doctors. So mm-hmm. they have tried throughout the many. I don't know, thousands of years to figure this out. And mm-hmm. then, you know, of course you throw in your alcohol and your drugs mm-hmm. and yeah. you can get people off of that. We can detox you, put you in the hospital. We can get everything mm-hmm. out of your system, start giving you vitamins, good food and, okay, and the the repairing of the brain and nerves and stuff can start happening. But now you got the mm-hmm. thoughts and the memories and stuff. And, the psychiatrist world the medical world has claimed that's their area okay
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that is some sort of illness slash disease because
0: okay? mm-hmm.
2: you go to a doctor when you have a disease a disease and an illness okay so it's very okay. interesting yes. <laughs> there's taking yeah. orders there's different systems Okay, and what happens to in the spiritual realm, back in the, uh, when I went, oh, I guess maybe early 90s in the state of Florida, a lot of people would go to their pastors or their imams and try to get some counseling for some issues. The problem is uh, the pastor would say, okay, we'll set up a, a counseling meeting. Well, the local, the state psychologists in the state of Florida didn't like that. That's taking money away from them. And so what they would do is they went and they got the laws changed in the state of Florida that they took the word counseling, made it a legal word that only those people who are licensed through the Medical Quality Assurance Department, social worker, mental health, psychologist, psycho, can use the word counseling and counsel anybody with depression. <laughs> Anxiety, mm-hmm. suicide. Cause, and they were people like go to their huh? pastors,
1: and ministers, and priests.
2: There's still people that go
1: to their pastors, ministers, and priests if if they have mental health well, issues. Well, what the pastors
0: uh-huh.
2: Well, what the pastors had to learn to do for many years, they just refer them, out, but refer them to a Christian therapist. Who became the priest the pastor the shepherd the mental health Mm -hmm. counselors because most pastors don't get any kind of training in mental health work or anything but it was really money control of the patient and most pastors you know they're very ignorant about spiritual things and psychiatric things and they can't do anything much but quote scriptures to you and they maybe have never really Volunteered with sexual abuse, they uh, some of them were as children sexually abused and had issues, and they didn't even work through their stuff. So they were dangerous people to have, um, you know, counseling these people. And uh, it was also money oriented. And it's like we have people with a problem, and somebody wants to be the top dog and get the money and be the ones to say what you can do and that was the psychiatrist and they ruled the medical world the world health organization when i got my license back in 1985 maybe 80 maybe 1985 in florida it was under the medical quality assurance department of the state of florida That's where my license was. I was a medical person. Mm -hmm. I was qualified to professionally, legally diagnose a medical illness, a disease, and treat the disease. I was a medical person. And this is what the the counselors wanted that designation. So we had Mm -hmm. to have two years of supervision. They had to look at our charts, our files. We had to be watched in counseling by a licensed – mine was under a licensed psychologist. Uh, then they had to – you had to take a state test, and they ask you all these questions. And I failed it a couple of times by one question. I would go back. You paid a lot of money. Then you had to carry about a million dollars' worth of malpractice insurance. And this was all to be in private practice or even at that time get hired by hospitals or organizations as a licensed professional is what you were becoming. But you were in the pecking order and you were in the same, uh, you had to be very comfortable with psychiatrists and hospitals and psychiatric and medications. And Mm -hmm. pastors just didn't get that. And the poor people who, you know, say adults, uh, they didn't understand the world that they were trying to get help from. They didn't understand what the problems are. They're the ones with the addictions and the memory and the stuff and then, if you went to a different university, you may have chosen to help children, but not adults, or you may have focused more on a different area and um than uh just the average private practice. And so it's a intricate world of diagnosing, treating, healing. But basically the psychiatrist, their philosophy is if we can get some medication to you, we're probably not going to change, you know, we'll just drug you up some more. They, don't, they do, I think, electric shock treatment and stuff, not as much as they used to, but they still do. Oh, they do, so and,
1: and I read one book, and it, it talked about um, the money that these psychiatrists make, because you know it doesn't even take that long to do a shock treatment, and they usually have you have a series of them, and uh, this this book was called Toxic Psychiatry, and uh-huh. it said uh, you know one one of the problems with it, like is what I did, it picks and chooses what it wants to take, and uh, but they just. You know, I remember going down there in a wheelchair, coming back in the wheelchair, and I was a heavy smoker, and I got back up to the unit, and this gal says, hey, you want to go have a cigarette? And I said, I smoke, you know? And yeah. it just took me two, three days to get out of it, and I started on some yeah. memories. Well, they're sure. And they yeah. gave me another yeah. shock treatment. So what I did, well, I, I uh-huh. started remembering stuff, and I, would, I had a notebook by my bed, and I told him After I go to shock treatment, I want you to tell me go look at that notebook. And what I had written in there was my name, my kid's name, my address, my husband's name, just basic information that when I got back from the shock treatments, I could not remember. I had one gal that was a friend of mine that had three girls, and she did not even remember having one of the girls. And this was before Photoshop. She was convinced they just put this other girl's picture in all the family pictures because she did not remember even having that child. And, and so it, it can really, you know, really screw you up. But the, it talked about the amount of money these doctors make just, just by sending people off. And the only requirement for shock treatments is um, long-term depression. And they, I got voluntary for shock treatments is what I call them. Because they told me if I did not get shock treatments, they were going to take my children away and I'd never see them again unless i voluntarily signed this paper. I didn't want to do it, but I also did not want to lose my children. You know, so I call them voluntary, you know, uh, forced because that's how I I feel, when, you know, that's how it did go down. And uh, there's, there's a lot of people that are afraid to say no to their psychiatrists because they're afraid their psychiatrist is going to put them in a state hospital. You know, and I just want people to know, you have rights. If your therapist isn't helping you, if your psychiatrist isn't helping you or is treating you badly, I had a friend that called me and said, I don't like going to my psychiatrist because he treats me just like my dad did. He screams at me and yells me and blames me. I said, get a new psychiatrist. Well, I'm afraid to switch because what if he says something's wrong with me and and locks me up, you know, and and it's really hard because people feel powerless when, They're dealing with authorities, you know, especially after being abused. And uh, I want to get the message out there that, you know, um, when I tell people if you're checking out therapists or psychiatrists, they're not only interviewing you, but you need to interview them. Ask them, you know, what their training is and how they're going to help you. And, you know, um, the last time it took me a long time to get a psychologist because I said I want one that deals with complex PTSD. And I want to interview the person first, you know, and it took Mm -hmm. me a long time before I finally settled on somebody. And people people
0: who have
1: uh, choices don't just have to go to somebody, you know, just to get a psychiatrist. um, You you have choices.
2: Well, the thing is in uh, childhood sexual abuse, you know, the brain and the thoughts, the memories, the feelings, even the brain can be biologically... um, distorted, you know, um, because of all the different chemicals and stuff that occur during the abuse and who knows what else goes on in the family. But it is an interesting uh, uh, topic because people are, many people are seeking help and they're trying aromatherapy, they're trying diets, yoga, you know, meditation, physical exercise. And, um, you know, the shock treatments and everything else. And uh, a lot of people, you know, just need somebody to talk to or something. So it's a very interesting because our brains are very powerful. They're very complex. Uh, you know, I, like most of us can't remember being born. I, I got some memories probably starting about two. Not You don't have much. But when you get childhood abuse, you know things are sort of um scarred in there, and it's hard for the adult to you know the memories just pop back up now right. and, okay, and you never know what what's gonna trigger you and things like that and i you know I came out of that system of trying to help people, and when I started becoming a pastor and working in the spiritual realm. I had to restudy all the stuff from a different viewpoint and I had to study healing from a different viewpoint and study all the the stuff from a different viewpoint and it was totally different and um, I had to understand the purpose of abuse from a different viewpoint and I had to see it from a worldwide viewpoint and I had to look at it um With different set of eyes and understanding uh, to understand why it goes on why it's happening the purposes for it you know what's the um, reasoning for it and from a spiritual context so I had to have in-depth on the learning on the run training quick and uh, it was it's a total different viewpoint Uh, with the same, you know, because you can have a behavior, we'll say sexual abuse, and it can have many different reasons from the perpetrator for doing it. It can have unseen reasons. Uh, It can do many different physical things, spiritual things, emotional things to the one being abused. So I had to learn a lot of different things that... In order to help people the Lord's way, which is, and it it was it was interesting to look at uh, sexual abuse of children in such different viewpoints and the complex nature of it and the healing of it and um, compared to mental health counseling. And most pastors really didn't get that in depth in their uh, Bible schools, even if they got a doctorate of divinity or something. I mean, they can write good sermons and they know all the books Mm -hmm. and they've read all that stuff. and And they can do good marriage counseling or premarital counseling and maybe divorce counseling to try to keep. But when it comes to the complex stuff, uh, they they just don't go there. And they refer them to a maybe Christian. Back in the, um, I don't know, let me think, maybe 90s, uh, there was Christian psychologists who were coming on the radio. These were before the days of YouTube and Facebook and stuff. And they were talking from a Christian viewpoint, and they were psychologists and psychiatrists. So a lot of your Christians wanted to Go to a Christian therapist. Well, there wasn't any designation for that. Oh, I go to church. I can read the Bible to my client and make money. I can pray with them and make money. And the client will think they're getting a Christian because I got the Bible sitting in my room. People went through that. But you were still dealing with that was like a veneer over medical information. And so the Christians went through that. I don't know what the Muslims do. They might go to their imam and the Buddhists and stuff. So very interesting. And um, I had to really, you know, I had a good understanding of the mental health way of helping people and how it was viewed by society and, you know, doctors and <laughs> Hospitals and treatment facilities, mm-hmm. and I had to understand medicine and how to diagnose and all of that stuff, and therapy, and emergency rooms, and so I had okay, a good you understanding that,
1: that you do you do help um, people. It's a twenty four seven. So before we get too far, can um, you let people know how that uh, they can contact you?
2: Yeah, they can contact me by my phone number. And I'm on LinkedIn, and I do a lot on LinkedIn, and I do things by email. I used to do a lot of uh, Skype with people, but because mm-hmm. I, I'm sort of a global person, time zones are just so different, and I, yeah. I, I don't do—I I don't have a WhatsApp. I'm not on Facebook, so I really let mm-hmm. my videos on the YouTube channel do the teaching. Do a lot of okay. And how work, can they find of, you on
1: YouTube? How can I find you?
2: called The Hidden Kingdoms, and I just do, I try to, it's all spiritual teaching, and I try to help a lot of people, like on LinkedIn. I used to do uh, be there for people like what Carol does a lot, where they call, but most of the people from NASCA that would call me, they were older adults, and they mm-hmm. hadn't been in therapy. They didn't want to go to therapy. They just wanted to call somebody in the middle of the night. And keep you mm-hmm. up and they don't really want to change anything in their lives and they don't really want to read a book. They don't want to do the, the work. They don't want to go to group support. They don't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. They just want to take your time up and uh, pour woe with mm-hmm. me. And I don't tolerate that. Mm-hmm. It's like if you had a broken leg, you're going to go to the doctor and you're going to get it fixed. And then if they tell you, you got to do rehab because you want to walk again, You'll do that. Mm -hmm. But most people, we kind of put up with them and their issues, and they make us feel sorry for them and their issues that happened 40, 50 years ago. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they don't want to face their issues. They don't want to grow up. They don't want to deal with it. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, they don't want to be healed. Uh, They want to stay the way they are so they can get their sympathy. And their mm-hmm. psychological support and I don't, I don't put right. up with it. I've mm-hmm. been there in the mental health world. They call them lingerers because they mm-hmm. get a lot of psychological affection and uh, 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 support by being a victim. We see that a lot right. now. Okay. And that, and that's all they have now is that I'm a victim and poor mm-hmm. war with me. And that's how they get their attention and how they get their needs met and how you feel sorry for them. And mm-hmm. they don't really like it, but they don't know how mm-hmm. to go any other way and they don't want to be taught. So I use a lot of people that they don't want to change. They don't want to put in the effort like you did, Victoria. They don't mm-hmm. want to go to the groups. They don't want anything. They don't like their life. They, they don't like mm-hmm. the misery. They're afraid. And how you would under, how I understood it was, I may not like the life I have, but I know the rules in it.
0: Uh-huh. And if
2: I give all that up and I get sort of normal,
0: oh, I don't know
2: normal. the rules of that normal. How yeah. to have a relationship without violence or I don't know how to talk to people because you never learned. So a lot of right. people, they don't like the what's going on, but they're too afraid, you know, of something unknown. Being listened.
1: You to. gotta take no, risks and you gotta, you know, be willing to change. And I noticed too that like when things started getting better for me and stuff, um I don't know if people were just or whatever, but it just seemed like they were mad at me. <laughs>
0: I'm not quite sure
1: what that was about. But I did want to go back to another point that you mentioned. Okay, so, um my biological brother was um, addicted to pornography, and um, then he got into um, the S and M stuff, and then he got into you know almost into snuff pornography, and, mm-hmm. uh, and people look mm-hmm. at that as it's basically it, killing you, somebody you, and see yes. he if yeah. mm-hmm. can have an orgasm. But um, yes. he was into um, a lot of S and M and stuff, and uh, I know that he was addicted to that stuff because it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And like my therapist, you know, that oh. knew about all that stuff, and knew my story, said if you hadn't escaped from him, um, he would eventually kill, kill you, you know? Yeah. And, and that's how I felt. But I kept, you know, dismissing it. And um, I've talked to a lot of people that they, um, I was with a group called Organizing Against Pornography and people were calling me uh-huh. and everything else. You know, but I was trying to point out that, um, you know, it's it's using another human being when they're making it, you know, and uh-huh. they, they yeah. call it child pornography, but now they call it evidence of sexual abuse. It's actual evidence,
0: uh-huh. you know,
1: of of somebody being hurt. And uh, but I was wondering if you could talk about, you know, is that the same type of uh, adrenaline stuff that's going on when um, somebody's uh, viewing pornography? And,
2: okay. Uh, okay, Yeah. Well, you're dealing means- with lust of the eyes, okay? Your eyes look at something. You have an immediate thought, pleasure, okay? The body reacts in nerves. The body is a, a, a nerve organ, the hands, everything, skin. It wants pleasure, okay? We can get addicted like, say, winning bingo, the high that comes from that. Okay, the joy of winning a football game. Okay? The body reacts to our emotions, our feelings. People that get started early. Sexual orgasm. It's pleasurable. The thoughts, okay, that are going on inside the brain of pleasure. Uh, It's, you know, somebody loves me. I'm loving them. I'm feeling good, okay? It starts off, it can start off wrong, let's say for a child, and the nerves get stimulated, okay? And chemicals get released, cortisol, adrenaline, pleasure stuff, okay? And what happens is, even for a child in sexual abuse, when they get fearful, frightened, they want that release. They want that peace. They want that pleasure. So pornography, dealing with the eyes, and I had to learn. They don't teach this, okay, in mental health. I had to learn about the lust of the eyes. And I had to learn about your thoughts and how your eyes and your thoughts are connected and how that relates to the nerves in the body. And what is the, what is the brain trying to do, the thoughts? Okay, Is it love? Is it peace? Is it connection? And it becomes an addiction to that feeling, which is, okay? And so it's, and the, you know, typically uh, some people, uh, they don't need pictures of children. Why would children do it? Maybe that is what they grew up seeing in their family. Okay, and so what is trying to happen is, spiritually, that's what I had to learn, there is an enemy to human beings. He is trying to pervert everything that's good and right. Mm -hmm. Okay, the sexual act between an adult male and adult female is made to create children, be in a monogamous relationship where you love and support each other. That was created by God.
1: Right. Well, he was looking at pornography that that had to do with men mm -hmm. and women, but it wasn't about, it wasn't about, it was about power and control.
2: You know what I mean? But the thing is that, that. Uh yeah. But what happens is they use the power and the control. It's basically, I did a video of this because a lot of people, men especially feel, if I cannot Control you, even a child. Okay, then I have nothing. I'm a nobody. I have, if I can't control you. I have no power. So the enemy of humanity is trying to take our power away from us to get us to feel that way. Okay, so we will do things to seek that power from innocent, weak stuff. You hear about people, why they kick dogs, okay? And I had to study all of this. And in in helping people the Lord's way, I had to know the most horrible stuff anybody, a human, could do to another person. And I had to love that person, knowing what they've done. Mm -hmm. And I had to know that God loved them. And I had to know why it was done to them and why they did what they did and who was behind it and what was the spiritual purposes and how did this mess up them? How did this form the multiple personalities, the disassociation? What was the reason for this? Then I had to study the spiritual stuff that was really beyond mental health understanding. I didn't talk to anybody when I'm getting trained and educated. I didn't believe most of the stuff I was learning but I knew it was true. Yeah. I had to see it outside of the mm-hmm. mental health world. I had yeah. to understand why people did what they did to children, mm-hmm. to animals. Yeah. Why they would do what they did. What mm-hmm. they okay, what was happening. In order mm-hmm. to provide the answers and it wasn't, and I, it, mental health world and understanding is limited, okay? They don't believe I even went, I was dealing with Satanists and witches and stuff. I went to a mental health training by a psychiatrist, and they just believe it, it's not real. It's just some adolescent kids doing some fun stuff. I'm gone. Okay. So, I didn't try to talk to him about the spiritual world as learned and studied and grew, but at the same time, I had to have that i'm glad I had that understanding God does not waste that of the mental health world so you know we have an enemy who's trying to pervert everything that's supposed to be good and take human beings and have them do the most despicable, most horrendous stuff to other humans. And I had to learn, well, who does that look like, okay? So spiritual understanding and looking at the same problem is a different viewpoint, okay, than the mental health. And I had to, I never really talked to people about what they did. I just knew anybody God brought my way, Walmart, on the phone, and it didn't matter, and spirit. Okay, yeah. I didn't ask them questions because I already yeah. knew what they did. I knew mm-hmm. I knew the kind of life God would tell me. The kind of life they lived, blah blah blah. And they got multiple personalities. Okay, no problem. I brought them in my home. I watched them the person. Okay, I've been shot at, poisoned, almost killed mm-hmm. with scissors by these people trying to help. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to study like if you don't get the help, what happens? And if you accept Christ Jesus as your Savior and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I had different learning. But we're mm-hmm. dealing with people, okay, with problems. Yeah. And they've tried, they've tried chemical castration for men.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. They've tried, you know, making them doing real castration, making them eunuchs. Yep. That doesn't mm-hmm. solve some problems, okay. That just means they can't. They got pills and kind of all kinds of mm-hmm. medications, so you can't get sexually aroused.
1: If, if it's coming from power and control, and it also, you know, involves um, doing abuse as well, so then, yes. you know, it, what, it does. It's it,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, and,
1: and it, what happens?
2: Help. Is, no, you're not going to get all of the the healing as you're finding out in mental health counseling. You got to have
0: some mm-hmm.
2: AA in there. Yeah. Yeah. You might yep. have to have some uh good nutrition in there. Maybe some yep. meditation in there. Gotta have yep. some good support groups besides AA in there?
0: You
1: well know, I know maybe there's have a to lot be- of people that say go to AA and then all of a sudden they're they kinda hit a block I and mean, maybe can talk about that because they're like, Well, what what am I here for? You know, am I just here for abuse? And to try to say that, you know, you're you are you are loved just the way you are, and, you know, you do have a purpose. And, and a lot of people, I just say, you know, pray and just ask, you know, your higher power, God, whatever, what is my purpose, and and just start paying attention to some signs that you get. Or, you know, like you said, you know, I was led in this direction or that direction. And uh, as I've talked to people, you know, they, they explore different things. And uh, one yeah. of my friends decided to be a minister. And she's still kind of doubting if if that's her avenue, you know, because things Mm -hmm. haven't turned overnight that that people are just walking to her, you know. And and I said, but you are ministering to people that you don't even realize it, you know. I said, but people are coming to you, and and you're talking to them, and you're telling them about God, and you're telling them about, you know, how, how Christ changed your life, and this and that. And I said, you are ministering to them But, you know, I'm not doing it this way or that way. I said, you're a unique person. And everybody, you know, has a purpose. But it's really hard to believe that you have a a purpose, you're a good person, and that you were put here for a reason. When you feel like, I felt like the only reason I was put here was to sexually satisfy men. And it took a long time to turn that around. You know, a long time. It doesn't happen overnight. Well,
2: typically, uh, God and his enemy, Satan knows that the human person is put here for a purpose. Now, the problem is our parents, our culture, our society, it's not very good, our school teachers. It's not very good in helping us to discover that and define it. You know, some people think, oh, I was born to be a sports player. Well, that only lasts for a few years, then what, okay? And so what happens is when I got into spiritual work, God started showing me in his word, what humanity's purpose is, what his purpose is, what the enemy's purpose is. And I have also learned, even through the Chinese historical dramas, that young people need to be educated, need to be able to read and write, but you don't have to. You can be blind. But you've got to understand, okay, why are you here? And it was to train these young people to help govern the nation, okay? And um, a lot of people need to have a... We'll say in the martial arts world, we call it a master. In uh, what, we'll call it normal world, you've got to have a mama in your life speaking into your life saying, sweetie, you've got a purpose, and I'm going to help you discover it. And a lot of us do go to a therapist hoping probably you'll tell me, okay, what am I to do with all this mess, Okay. And my job as a mama is to tell you what God's purpose is for you. Now, it may, and and mine was help people, okay? I started off and did mental health work for years. That wasn't the way I was supposed to do it. But I was helping people. And sometimes we'll start because we're getting no guidance, no leadership, no training. We're not getting mentored right. We're not getting... uh, correct teacher, we're not submitted to somebody that's pouring some words and knowledge into us, okay, for us to hear God, to tell us, and sometimes we'll get off the path and he'll get us back on, sometimes we'll think this is the way to do it and that door gets shut, oh, well, I want to help people this way, well, that door gets shut, and then sometimes, you know, some people are called to do, like, I'm not called to give money for orphanages and all that stuff, but other people are. And some people are called and they do a great job. They have money. They know how to do their finances. And they do excellent work. And that's what they're anointed to do. Well, I'm called to teach and help the spirit grow up. So you have to be under somebody. You've got to be. Typically, you know, we were under our parents, supposed to be, mother and father. But when the marriage is broken down and there's no mother or father there, we're already missing out. Because the men, they don't know what, what their purpose is. They don't know why they got big muscles, why they're taller than us, what they're supposed to do. Because they didn't have a father. Oh, okay. Just so show them and tell them. They go to the gym and they get the big bodies, but what do they do with it? They don't know. They have no idea. And women don't know what they're supposed to do. They think they're, the only way they'll get accepted now is go to work. I leave the kids and let somebody else raise them. But I want kids.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They, they Okay, so they, somehow they have lost the thing of motherhood and caring mm-hmm. for the home and the husband and stuff and, and that it's not valued. So there's a lack of teachers, okay, Yeah. in the community, in the churches, at, at home, at school, okay. Lots of people to, in my life,
1: but there were no positive mentors in my okay. life for me to, you
2: that's know, why sports,
0: I didn't to,
2: yeah. That's why sports has become so popular. You have coaches, and they take these kids that don't have a father or a mother, and they train them. Why the military is so good. You get a drill sergeant. You've got order. You know your place. You're on a team. You know what you're to do. You discipline. You you practice. Mm -hmm. That's why sports has, okay. But there's a coach there, and and you listen to him, and he Mm -hmm. disciplines you. Well, that isn't at home. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so people are seeking their purpose, and we have an enemy that knows that. So if he can disrupt that and get you all thrown off in childhood, he knows children are pure and innocent when they're born. If he can hurt that, destroy that innocence through abuse, whatever, misuse them, we'll say in pornography, for somebody else's pleasure, he's happy. And it makes God sad. And human beings, they are just sort of the pawns in the bad guy's hands. And we have, you know, five senses, and most of us just live in our five senses. And how you can tell if somebody does, oh, I love sugar, I want a cookie. Well, that cookie becomes fat when you eat it. Don't give in to your tongue. you got eyes. You can close your eyes. But they want pleasure. They want power. They want control. Why? Right? Because they don't have any. So I had to learn that. That's not taught in mental health counseling.
0: Uh,
2: the mental health counselor, um, his job is to diagnose, oh, we've got depression. Okay, I'm going to refer you over to a psychiatrist, put you on it, and I'll see you in two weeks, and we'll talk about how, do you feel better now? Is the medicine okay? Go on and have your life. That's about it. Now that'll be, and they get paid money. And if it gets too bad, just go to the hospital. and They'll put you in, you know, inpatient, and the psychiatrist will take care of you. So it's a it's a system. But as you know, in that system, you don't really get well because that enemy don't want you to get well. Mhm. Okay. And mm-hmm. it's hard work, as you know. Like I said, if you had a broken leg.
0: It's mm-hmm. six
2: weeks or so in a cask then you have to yeah. maybe have some rehab it takes work just to heal a mm-hmm. broken leg so healing mm-hmm. your thoughts or memories you know and all but your stuff takes work want to
1: go, you know you get your leg or hip or whatever fixed and then you go well you know the doctor did that and I'm not going to rehab I'll be just fine mm-hmm. you know and, and that's what it makes me think of you know like you said they don't want to do the work you know
2: it, just, just, and yeah. it, is is it they're lazy? Um, yes. Do they like that? We'll say the pain. No, but they can take a pill and sleep, and they'll okay. Take an alcoholic drink. Okay, go to a ball game, get getting the thrill of okay, and they forget about it. You know, mm-hmm. go to a festival and forget about it. And then they go, oh, I never thought the school shooter would happen. I never thought this would happen. They'd come into our birthday party. Oh, but don't you know about gangs and guns? Yeah, but oh, you know, I never thought about it. <laughs> okay. You're dealing with ignorant people that don't want to know.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And they don't want to be responsible for anything. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, you got people that want to make money off of it. Of ignorant people, mm-hmm. you got bad guys with bad hearts. Well, we got to get them changed, and um possible mm-hmm. to do it. You got business people wanting to make money at all costs. they don't care, so you got okay. some stuff against you, um, but the main one is if you want to be healed, you can get healed
0: right
2: it, yeah. okay. it might take work, okay, might take. But therapy, medicine, support groups, friends, reading books, meditation, going to the gym, might take a lot of effort. And sometimes you have to have self-talk within yourself. You have to go, we ain't going to think about that. That's over with and done with. Then when I got into spirituality, we got to deal with some unforgiveness.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And we to we have a caller go. on the
1: line. Okay. We also have a caller on the line. That um, Annie, can you bring the caller on? Hello. Hello. Yes,
0: he's on
3: the line.
0: Hello.
1: Hello. Hello, hi, Ron. would you like to uh, make comment or um, ask Dr. Uh, um, Deborah a question? And and who
3: do we have on the line?
1: I can't cover my computer right.
3: Now. Okay. Um, I was wondering if um you knew about uh, back in the old days because I've found out back in the old days that uh, children and women were considered property and that you know as far as like like uh, things like um sexual abuse or even physical abuse or emotional abuse. Whether it was a woman or a child, back in those times, it was it was not considered a priority. And I was wondering if that was more in the north or the south, or industrial areas, where the police didn't consider that stuff a a um, a, a priority in the U.S. Do you know what what um, part of the U.S. it was, and if it was all like o- all over? Okay. And it
2: goes back. It goes back to ancient days dealing with um, that the man was the inheritor of property, the firstborn son, which is biblical. And the women uh, were just their property. And you could marry your cousins and you could, you know, um, the women could not inherit. And they were totally just property. And the husband, though, was to take care of, his wife with respect but at the same time they were just seen as objects to be abused and uh, it was the ruling class whoever that was but uh, they had um, these rules of culture and religion it's back in, in every religion it's back in ancient days you know so first, when children, um,
3: mm-hmm. sorry for interrupting you so when children were and women were considered property it was but the the police didn't participate in it they just didn't want to get involved in they, i it guess wasn't the a police law. Didn't really...
0: there uh, was it, it how, was a
3: law yeah
2: how it worked in america was the people oh, they rose up first about animal cruelty and they passed some laws about that you couldn't i guess do horses or cows or something And when the first, really, case of child abuse came, I don't remember when this was, early 1900s, maybe 1800s in America, was brought to the police, they didn't have a law to deal with child abuse. So they had to use the animal cruelty law to try it. And it took a lot, you know, uh, as you know, women didn't have the right to vote for a long time. Because uh, that was the customs, the culture, uh, it was the man who went to work, man who did the business, man that went out, it was the inheritor. The woman was a partner with him, but they really didn't have a lot of legal rights. So child abuse came first through animal cruelty, and then people started realizing we need to have some laws, but uh, Children and women, uh, even now, you know, they're just considered property slaves in many cultures, many religions, and um, that's you can sell your kids to to get married at 10 years old if you need some money. That's no biggie. Uh, For most people, you're starving. You give them away. You know, a lot of orphans. And so a lot of it is culture. A lot of it is religion. And...
3: uh, Sorry for interrupting you. I was also told that a lot of the police officers were unsympathetic to the to stuff like that as well, because of the law. Yeah. Not just I was told a lot of policemen, they yeah. were um because because of um how they hired, they hired a bunch of men, so it was a lot of unsympathetic things, unsympathetic police officers to stuff like that. They would get upset when they were be report when they were report battered women or abused children. A lot of them were mm-hmm. not.
2: Yeah, what the, the policemen, you have to understand, uh, they're actually, uh, they are ministers to uh, enforce the law, okay? Now, they can't try you, and so they are whatever the law says, okay? And if the law says, you know, this, they're just to uphold the law. And typically, you know, early on, it will say in America, the men were the policemen, they were the soldiers, they were the politicians, the business owners, they were the bankers, they were the ones who left the home they laid down their lives they uh, were the they had to take care of bad guys, okay they were your sheriffs, your policemen, or men, and the policeman he doesn't make the laws; he's just okay. to follow whatever the law is,
3: and right.
2: at the same time, you know you can look everybody can look the other way. Okay, Uh, we got Uh, laws now. Don't don't drink and drive. People drink and they drive. Don't text and don't drive. And people don't do that. And they're not even policemen. Okay, and people, the speeding limit is fifty, and you do seventy-five. So the human heart can look the other way, but the policeman's job. Everybody gets mad at them. Their job is to enforce. Okay, now they don't try you. You know, they just arrest you and put you in jail. Right. That's all they can do, okay? And they can go to court and give evidence, but they're not the ones who make the laws. That's your representatives in your states or your feds. They -hmm. are not the uh, judge of the law. That's a judge. And then the lawyers who study the law. So the policemen are just sort of one part in a big wheel of the law. And, yes, they can look the other way. Uh, Do they know what the law is? Okay. Yes. Okay. But a lot of them have been bought off. They have been bribed. They or there's bad cops. We see that. You know they uh, they there's a lot of money in the criminal world and they want to get a little bit of it and their lives are on the line. Uh, they go to try to serve something and they get shot. Yeah. Okay. But
3: what I was right, trying so to say is you? sorry. Sorry about that. I'm keep cutting you off. I I, I have a hard time okay. like getting. My- um, do you I was wondering if some of the the ones that were I know that they, they didn't make the laws, but I was just wondering if some of the ones that were I'm not saying all of the ones back in those days, but if some of the ones that were in in that time, I wonder if some of them agree with those laws or like if they were a parent they participated in abusing kids themselves. Abusing their wives both. themselves. But both. You're okay. always
2: gonna have you're always gonna have people both male and female, who will, will say, abide by the law, good cops. And you're always going to have bad cops. Now, that is because of the heart and their minds and their training, their families and their culture and the influences that have happened in their life. So you're going to have both in everything. You're going to have good businessmen and you're going to have bad ones.
3: Right, you will. And I'm not a good police. I'm just against the bad ones. I'm more pro-police than I would be back in the 60s and back in those times when children and women were considered property, but I understand what you're mm-hmm. saying, and I don't fault the ones that did it. But I, that was just my question. So, sorry about that. I didn't make it clear. No, no,
2: that's, that's okay. And I, I, people are trying to understand police and, and how they could let this stuff happen. And, you know, a lot of it is done in homes, and nobody's talking. A lot of it's done in the dark. You know, and nobody's talking because there's money to be made. The police can only, you know, a lot of times they have, if you ever worked or volunteered with police, uh, there's some excellent programs you can do. And I went through my sheriff's department. I had a citizen's academy. You learn about the different departments. And they are sort of, they're military men and women now. And they have to be willing to kill somebody Not that they want to, but their job is to neutralize uh, something that's bad that could hurt other people. And do they have attitudes and are there bad ones in there? Yes. don't matter the skin color, what race. There's good ones and there's bad. But the system itself, okay, okay, we have to look at that. The system was set up as an arm, a minister of justice against injustice. Now, the system is good. But your training can be good. But you can right. have some bad hearts out there, some mean dudes, and they they want power and control, and they want to control their streets, and they want to be seen as a top. Do you have that? Uh-huh. Yeah. But the system itself, okay, once you understand it, we got some bad stuff out there. And we've had... We used to hear of the old Wild West, you know, just bad guys running all over the streets and doing all kinds of things, you know, just, and the poor other citizens who were just old, poor citizens, they had no help, and it took tough sheriffs to step up and, you know, take care of bad guys, and and now you got, you know, gangs on every street, and you got just all kinds of blackmail going on and and you got people coming in and gangs and you know, mafia and stuff and they raise their kids and get them on the police department and they carry on. You got good ones, you got bad ones. So you have to determine it's the system itself what like set up for. And you're going to have bad people or spies and stuff are going to be recruited gang members into the police children. Remember the movie The Godfather?
3: I remember part of it.
2: Okay. You had Michael who went into the army. His dad didn't want him in the family business. A lot of uh, police are family oriented like firemen and military. It's what their family, the men of the family have done. They have joined the police force. If you, the it was a show on TV, the Blue Bloods. That's what your family did. Right. You joined the police, and others were the uh, firefighters. Right. And others joined the military, the Army and stuff.
0: Right. So it was, oh, wow. this was an We're air- running
2: out of time here.
1: We're oh, running oh, out of time oh, here. My God. No, oh, no, oh, my God. don't be sorry. No, very interesting. Go
2: ahead, Derek. Um, Go ahead.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's only two my-
2: minutes left. Yeah, if he, wants it, um, to, if, if he wants to ask me more questions, just give him my mm-hmm. phone number and he can call me or email me at okay. Pastor yeah. Deborah at Copy Love is Here. And I know we got one minute left to close out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, and uh, I just wanted to tell people that um, um, Mary Ellen Wilson's story is how the first um, Tell the Beauty Kid started, and you can find that on uh, YouTube as well. And uh, I just wanted to say that the NASCA newsletter is coming out. We got um, peer support groups three times a week. You can find them on the NASCA website. And all these shows are archived. And uh, this is 3167 if you'd like to go back and listen. And there are many, many other shows with survivors and survivor professor- professionals like Pastor Deborah and... I'd like to thank you, Pastor Deborah, for coming on once again. And uh, you're on uh, every month, and uh, we really appreciate uh, your help. And uh, also, Annie is on as the host. Thank you very much. Um, something was wrong with her microphone. So I'm finishing up. And uh, I want to say uh, God bless uh, um, all the children of the world and God bless adult survivors of child abuse. And uh, we'll see you all next time. And come on the panel if you'd like we're on um monday through friday night thank you
0: thank you bye everyone, good night,
1: hey, everyone. have a good
0: night I think
1: it's off. <laughs>